What is up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Kabour, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter, at DeepDiveFF, or on Instagram, at DeepDiveFantasyFootball. Also, if you are hungry for Dynasty content, join the Rewind team at Dynasty Rewind on YouTube and Twitter, where you can get my draft sheets and much, much more. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Washington Commanders for now. They might not be the Commanders for long with the new ownership coming in, but we are going over Washington. And before we get started, I do want to say that underdog fantasy football check that out if you haven't if you do have it if it's something you've looked into something you enjoy something you already put lineups in and play daily fantasy or do some type of betting or anything like that use promo code rewind promo code rewind r-e-w-i-n-d and it's gonna help you out i'm not even gonna tell you what it's going to give you because you're going to have to go figure it out for yourself but just trust me it's a promo code that is going to be good for you so that's through my partnership with dynasty rewind and yeah it's uh i've actually i've actually already been looking into the uh the app a lot and we're going to talk about something like that today because they actually posted a bunch of season long over unders which i think is pretty cool so we'll be discussing one of those that I think you should definitely be trying to put some uh, money on if you are somebody that does such a thing. Now, I'm not really too much of a better. I, I'm not going to lie. I did put in put in a couple dollars and stuff here and there on some lines because uh, of my projections, but not anything crazy. But that's the beauty of this is, you know, you put a dollar on five lines parlay based off my projections and you've got a shot with that one dollar to win 20. So you just got to find the lines that are the biggest, like the farthest away from my projections if you feel comfortable with my projections or just pick the projections you like the most that you feel the most comfortable with and compare it to their over under season lines, which I think is really cool. But with that said, we're going to get into Washington. Let's look at their offensive line. And I'll tell you right now, Washington surprised me. Doing research into this team and projecting this team was very eye opening. So Let's look at their offensive line first. They lost offensive tackle Andrew Wiley. They added offensive guard Nick Gates. And then they added a center and a guard in the third and fourth round. So when I'm looking at the offensive line, it's pretty much a wash. I don't know how much stock to put into their third and fourth round picks. Let's say one of them ends up being an okay contributor. And then Nick Gates replacing, not replacing positionally, but just coming to the offensive line while they lost Andrew Wiley. One's a tackle, one's a guard. That's why I said they don't. He's not really replacing Andrew Wiley, but I think overall their offensive line is pretty much going to be the same in terms of how effective it is. Then we look at the skill positions. They lost quarterback Taylor Heineke. They lost quarterback Carson Wentz. They added quarterback Jacoby Brissett. They lost running back J.D. McKissick. So mainly, yeah, they're going into the Sam Howell era for this year, and Jacoby is his backup, which is something that you should keep in the back of your mind. And then... They lost running back J.D. McKissick. So overall, not too many changes, nothing crazy. The defense lost linebacker Cole Holcomb, and they added two corners in the first and second round. It was their first two picks in the draft. 16 overall, Emmanuel Forbes, who I think personally is overrated. 
especially when people call him a ball hawk and like when you actually look at his interceptions is he really that much of a ball hawk eh. then added cornerback jartavius martin 47 overall in the second round so their secondary hopefully will be a little bit better but i don't know we'll see this is the biggest change it's the coaching Offensive coordinator Eric Bienmi was added. Now everybody is loving this. Everybody's like, "Oh my goodness, Eric Bienmi came from the Chiefs. He's going to make this offense run good." Blah blah blah. I'm not overly optimistic because of what I've seen. Why? Why did it take Eric Bienmi so long to leave Kansas City? He was being brought up as a head coaching candidate for like the last three years. Offensive coordinators for the best offenses in football get head coaching jobs so fast. Why did it take so long for him to leave Kansas City? And why did he not get a head coaching job? Those are some red flags to me. Like the fact that it took him so long to go anywhere. And then when he did go somewhere, it's not even as a head coach. It's as an offensive coordinator, which is what he was in Kansas City. So I'm assuming he just left for the money or maybe to try to, to, you know, make a name for himself and move up. But if he felt like that, then that's that's concerning. That means teams didn't believe in him, despite where he was coming from. So I don't know. I'm not like a super optimistic be enemy guy. Like it just it doesn't seem to me like we should be all in on it because of the fact he didn't get a head coaching job and it took so long for him to leave. And the biggest question for be enemy is is he gonna use Gibson how he should be used? Or is he going to refuse to use him how he should be used? Kind of like what they have been doing to CEH. When they drafted Clyde, we all thought, oh, they're going to use him as a receiver. He's a re- he's the receiving, running back, check down, like make people miss, good in the screen game, like all these things. Like this is what Clyde's going to be so good at. And then they didn't use him like that really at all. Like you saw it maybe three or four targets in his very first game. And we thought that's exactly what we were getting. And he looks really good. And then that was it. So... Is that what's going to happen to Gibson? Is he not going to be utilized the way he should be as a receiver? Or is he actually going to use the running back the proper way? We'll see. So that's something that's a little, uh, I don't know. I don't know. A little worried. Let's look at last year. In 2022, somehow Washington was able to produce 1,092 offensive plays. That is very high. That was, I think, like top eight in the league more than that. I think it was like top five. They passed the ball 51% of the time and ran the ball 49% of the time because of the high play count and the high rush rate of 49%. They ran the ball 538 times, 538 times. That is insane. That is unexpected. I'm dumbfounded. I was when I found this stat. They ran the ball the fourth most times in the league. How in the world did Washington get 1,092 plays off? Like, I was dumbfounded. But then I started looking more into their defense because you guys know how it goes at this point. You know, they either need a really good offense, have to have a really high tempo, or have um, a, like, insane pass rate. That's always stopping the clock. Or a really good defense. You need one of those things to be able to have such a high play count. Well, their defense was apparently a lot better than I realized from when I was watching them. They had the number three defense in yards allowed last year. Their defense was ending drives quickly and getting the offense, the opposing offenses on the, or getting the opposing offenses off the field, getting Washington's offense on the field very quickly. 
And because their defense was doing so good and ending drives so quickly, it allowed the offense to have more time and get more plays in. I did not realize that their defense was that good last year. And boom, that's something that I learned immediately by starting these projections. Now let's look at Eric Bieniemy. Okay, I, like I said, Washington last year passed the ball 51% of the time. Eric Bieniemy in 2022 passed the ball 61% of the time. 2021, 58% of the time. 2020. 61% of the time. He has a history of a pass-heavy offense, but no, duh, he's had Patrick Mahomes. He's had Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Now, he hasn't really had, gr well, he no, he did have great wide receivers. Last year, he didn't have great wide receivers. He still passed 61% of the time, but overall, he just had ridiculous pass offenses and passing personnel, so it makes sense that he would pass that much. Now, let's look at this team. Sam Howell is a quarterback that's going to run more than Patrick Mahomes. And they have really good wide receivers, not really a great tight end. And Howell is obviously not anywhere close or ever will be to Patrick Mahomes. So when you're looking at it, it's kind of a weird fit. Like Eric Bieniemy, it doesn't really, it's, this is more of a rushing team, like hard-nosed type of team. It, it doesn't really fit what Bieniemy has done and that's also kind of weird for me it makes this projection a little bit weird now I see a slight lean more towards the pass for Washington because of one be enemies history and two because I think they'll feel more comfortable letting Howell throw the ball than Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz so I do see a slight lean more towards pass than last year last year they only passed the ball 51 percent of the time this year I'm projecting 53 percent could it be like 55 yes however you have to remember Sam Howell is a quarterback that can run more than what Heineke was doing or Wentz was doing. He's going to be able to produce like almost 600 rushing yards if he chooses to do so. And that's going to keep that pass rate, you know, held down. It's not going to allow it to flourish. So they're not going to get to anything crazy. I don't see them having a pass rate more than like 56% at the most. So I'm projecting 53% because I do expect Howell to use his legs and them to pass a little bit more often than last year their defense is very similar i still think it can hold people down well so in terms of projecting the actual total plays from 1092 last year i'm projecting 1040 i just i see regression in the play count yes you know albeit kind of small not anything not like 100 plays gone i'm projecting a 52 play drop but that's somewhat significant that's a little bit over three per game so that's what I'm projecting there. And now with that 1,092 or with that 1,040 plays that I'm projecting and the 53% pass rate, that's going to be 551 passes, 489 runs. Also on the touchdown side, last year Washington only had 33 touchdowns. They had 24 passing and nine rushing. I see about 38 this year because I think Howell's going to help out a bit. Dotson's going to be healthy all year. Hopefully, I mean, at least that's obviously how we do our projections with Dotson healthy and going into year two, that's going to help the offense. And I think Howell's a little bit of an upgrade at quarterback. So for me, I'm giving them 38 touchdowns. It actually comes right out to 19 passing, 19 rushing. Now, last year, they were fourth most in the league running the ball, and they only had nine rushing touchdowns. That's an outlier. You're going to see positive regression there. I have them at 19 rushing touchdowns. Their offense is going to get better, score more, and I think that they will be able to be more effective running the ball or also try to run the ball more in the red zone and be more effective at it. 
So, with that said, we've got 19 passing touchdowns, 19 rushing touchdowns, 1,040 plays, 551 passes, 489 runs for this Washington team. Let's get into Sam Howell. I liked Howell. Let's go way back to before he was drafted. I liked Sam Howell as quarterback two in his draft class. For me, it was Kenny Pickett, and then it was Sam Howell. And I was very surprised how far he fell. He's got decent enough athleticism, and he's got some legs. He could get to, I'm not going to project this, but he could get to 600 rushing yards. In his only game, he went, the only game he played, he went five rushes, 500, or five rushes, 35 yards, and one rushing touchdown. He was on, if you just stretch that out, which I'm not a fan of stretching out small sample sizes, but if you pace that out, that one game over a season, that's 595 yards rushing. And obviously 17 rushing touchdowns, which is ridiculous. But you see what I'm saying. He, he does have potential. 35 yards a game is nothing. And that would put you on pace for 600 rushing yards. So he could definitely do that if he wants to. I am going to project him at a little bit less than that. I see him getting 480 yards off of 80 runs. Okay, so I'm giving him pretty much the same efficiency as last year, a little bit less, six yards per carry. And yeah, so that's what I've got him at for rushing 480 yards, and then I'm giving him four rushing touchdowns. He got one in his only game last year. I'm giving him four on the season. I don't think that there's anything bold about that whatsoever. If anything, he would have more than that. Now let's look into his passing game and his passing stats, his passing production. So off those 551 passes, what is he going to do? Well, I don't think he's going to be at the stat rate from his one game played because he was averaging 15 yards per completion, which is nobody's ever done that so obviously that's not going to happen now i'm projecting below him to be below nfl average in every category okay keep that in mind keep that in mind i am projecting sam howell to be well below the nfl average in every category i'm giving him a 62 percent completion percentage and by the way i complete i projected sam howell completely without looking at the the production of Washington's quarterbacks last year because I didn't want that to taint my mind. I wanted to project Howell with how I think of Howell as a prospect, how I think Howell will do before comparing him to quarterbacks in the same situation last year that Washington had in Heineke and Wentz. I was like, hey, I don't want to just look at their stats and then say, which there's nothing wrong with this, but I, I wanted to do it a little bit differently for Hal. But I didn't want to look at Washington's quarterbacks and say, hey, this is what they averaged in the same situation that Hal's going to be in. I think Hal's a little bit better, so I'm going to bump these up a little bit. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to project Hal individually, so that's what I did. And this is what I came out to. I came out to a 62% completion rate for Sam Hal, 10.9 yards per completion. That's 6.7 yards per 6.75 yards per attempt. That is below NFL average. NFL average is about 7.1. So that's significantly below NFL average. I gave him a 3.5 touchdown rate below the NFL average of 4.1 to 4.3. And then I looked at last year's Washington quarterbacks, their passers last year, because like I said, I projected how first. I looked at last year's quarterbacks and it was almost on par with this, like to the T. Like Heineke and Wentz combined averaged almost exactly what I projected for Hal, they were actually, actually a tiny bit, just a little tiny bit better than what I'm projecting for Sam Howell. Now, here's the crazy thing. With this projection, Sam Howell only has 19 passing touchdowns. Off the 551 passes, a 3.5% touchdown rate, that's only 19 passing touchdowns, not even 20, basically 
one per game almost. Okay, I have Howell projected for almost one per game. I have his yardage on the season at 3,700. In a 17-game season now, 3,700 is not much. Okay, with that projection, along with his rushing, that puts him at 17.5 points per game. Now, this is the crazy thing. He is just under Jared Goff. He is a middling quarterback, too, with this projection. I have... And he's under Goff because I would take Goff above him. But if you look at my draft sheets, which are available through Dynasty Rewind, Patreon services, go find it there because you're going to get so much stuff. Also, something that's really cool that we do with uh, the Dynasty Rewind team, like if you sign up as a patron, let's say like you do, because they have options. There's like $1 a month, $5 a month, and $10 a month. You can make that money back because which is really cool you can make that money back with all of the promo codes and discounts and everything that you get from being a member they give you access to a lot of discounts and stuff so for websites so you can easily make the money back that you're paying them to be a patreon so i would go do that and get the ten dollar tier it's also going to give you if you do that access to my draft sheets um which i think that alone is worth the ten dollars a month for the time that you want to use the draft sheets, much less everything that they have to offer aside from my draft sheets. Like they have been doing their Patreon thing before we partnered up and you know they have so much to offer that's far worth more than $10. Now you're getting my draft sheets thrown into it. So I would go do that for sure if you guys haven't. Um, you can find Dynasty Rewind on Twitter. You can see them linked up to me on Twitter. I'm going to see... If I can link them up in the Instagram, but my, my Instagram has a link tree, which also will link you to all that stuff. But moving back to Sam Howell. So this is the crazy thing, guys. I actually have him projected 0.1 points per game more than Jared Goff. Now, I'm going to rank Jared Goff above him because Goff is safer and has similar fantasy upside to me because Goff's passing upside is way higher than Sam Howell's, but Howell will make up for it with rushing. So they have similar upside for fantasy except Goff is way safer. So I'm going to take Goff above Howell. But the fact that I have Sam Howell projected for 3,700 passing yards and 19 passing touchdowns, and he has 17.5 points per game because of his rushing, and he is like quarterback 16, 17 right now for me, and he is going as like quarterback 31 is very, very nice. Like that is a huge sleeper. That is a huge value. I'm putting him on my best values list. Now, one thing also that makes me take Goff over Hal, and this is something I'm starting to pay attention to now as I'm getting further into my projections, Sam Howell's strength of schedule is abysmal. Abysmal. He, he doesn't have good matchups in his division. The Cowboys have a good defense. Eagles have a good defense. Giants have a decent defense. He doesn't have good matchups in his division. And then their division now, I don't remember which division they're getting from the AFC, it's a very, very good division. I think it might be. I think it might be the Chiefs division, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, but whichever division they're getting, it's not It's not going to be good matchups. It also might. It's either the Chiefs division or the Bills division because um, I, I know there's good defenses in the division. So it, it could be the Bills division. But they have a horrible schedule. Horrible schedule. Jared Goff, on the other hand, has a four out of five star schedule provided by Fantasy Pros. So that's almost as good as it gets because he's in an easier division and they're facing easier opponents throughout the season. So that's another reason I would take Goff. But 
All of this to say that the fact that Jared Goff, somebody that everyone recognizes as a pretty good quarterback two, or somebody you can grab as your quarterback one if you neglect the position, is actually ranked 0.1 points per game less than Sam Howell, and this dude is not getting drafted, is insane. So keep Howell on your radar for that reason. Okay, he's a great third quarterback for Superflex. He's a, an okay enough quarterback too if you neglect quarterback and Superflex. And here's the other thing. Sam Howell, he doesn't have any lines on him right now. Like there's no Vegas lines on Sam Howell as far as I was able to see. And that means that once they establish a line for him, he's probably going to be a good over. Like once they put Howell in, just remember my projection of 3,700 yards, 19 touchdowns. If they put his line at like 3,000 or 2,800 passing yards, I'm, I would take the over on that. Because unless he gets hurt he and he loses his job, he should be able to hit the over pretty easily. So just keep that in mind. Now let's get into Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, very interesting. 21.5% of the targets last year. I saw this and I was like, oh no. Once I pull out all the games that Jahan Dotson was gone due to injury, his catch rate's got to be lower than that. So I did that. I pulled out... All those games, I looked at Terry McLaurin in only the games where Jahan Dotson was fully healthy. Still an exact 21.5% of the targets. He was not hurt at all by, by Jahan Dotson. And that just goes to show you what I always say on this podcast. A tr- an alpha wide receiver or a wide receiver one for a team that is that deserves to be a wide receiver one does not get his target share hurt by a good wide receiver two. Now, I will say that might not happen this year. Like, let's say Terry had 25% of the targets last year. He still would have had 25% of the targets, whether Jahan Dotson was in or out. However, if that's how they targeted him. However, Jahan Dotson now might be just as good as Terry McLaurin going into year two. So, so this year, I would have said, oh, maybe Terry's target share goes down a little bit. But that was not, you know, that's obviously not the case for a rookie wide receiver. He's not somebody that could be just as good. So just remember when you're dealing with a a true number one wide receiver for a team and they add a a very good wide receiver too, as long as that wide receiver two is not better than that wide receiver one or not as good as that wide receiver one, don't affect the target share for the wide receiver one. Don't, don't touch it unless they're in like, you know, higher than 30%. Then you can like knock it down a couple, like at the most, but You don't want to screw with the percentages for a wide receiver one like that. And so I'm not going to do that this year because he's not at like 26, 27%. So even if Dotson is just as good as him, he should be able to keep his 21.5% target share. So I'm going to project that this year as well. One thing that was really nice though, getting Jahan Dotson made him more efficient, which is something else I always preach. I always talk to you guys about, hey, this wide receiver has this guy across from him now. His efficiency will go up. Well, we saw that with Terry and Jahan Dotson. So with Dotson on the field, Terry McLaurin, catch rate 64%, yards per reception 16.7, yards per target 10.7, four touchdowns. Okay, and we're going to go back over these numbers in a little bit when we start comparing him to Jahan Dotson to figure out, hey, who's who's going to do what? play what role, who's going to be the wide receiver one, stuff like that. So I'm projecting the same efficiency for Terry that he saw with Dotson. Dotson, if anything, is going to be better this year than last year because he's not going to be dealing with a lingering injury. He's going into year two. He's probably going to learn some more things in the offseason and get better and improve just like everybody does from their rookie season usually. I mean, you know, sometimes they have off years, but like they're, they're still getting better. So Jahan Dotson should get better and help Terry be able to be as efficient as he was when he was on the field last year. Now, he obviously gets Terry, gets less touchdowns than Dotson. 
He's not as good of a 50-50 ball guy as Jahan Dotson is, but he's definitely the better wide receiver, and we will go over how how I know that. But I'm projecting the same efficiency and the same 21.5% target share for Terry McLaurin. I see Sam Howell as pretty on par with Washington's passers last year, if not better. So I see no reason for Terry McLaurin's efficiency to change or get worse. That's going to bring Terry McLaurin to 118 targets, 76 receptions, 1,266 receiving yards, and 5 receiving touchdowns. That's 13.7 points per game. He is in the wide receiver 15 to 20 range right now. He is properly valued for me. That's y'all number two. He is properly valued for me in fantasy right now. Right now, he's going as about wide receiver 20. He's in the 15 to 20 range for me right now. By the way, guys, when I always give you the ranges, it's because I'm not done with my projections yet, so I can't 100% confirm for you what number the wide receiver is. But once my projections are done, I will be able to tell you exactly where I have, guys. Like, exactly. But right now, he's being properly valued. Now, he does have a very good underdog line, in my opinion. Underdog Fantasy put his season over under at 850 yards. Now, you have to remember something. When you look at the lines, it's going to be very tempting for you to hit the over on almost all of the lines. But you have to remember that they are accounting for the fact that people probably are going to miss a couple games to injury. They're not guaranteeing you a full game season. So when you're looking at that Terry McLaurin line, if Terry McLaurin misses games, that's tough luck for you. It's not like, hey, you know, it's his average or what. Oh, he was on pace for more than 850 yards if he didn't get hurt. So I should win that bet. No, that's not how it works. That's why the, the lines are lower. If you could guarantee a perfect world where no players ever got injured and they all played every single game, all the lines would be much higher in Vegas for over-unders for a season. But that's not the case, obviously. Now, I do think that Terry McLaurin is trustworthy enough and has shown enough like for me to feel comfortable like betting against his injury chance, basically, because that's what you're always betting against. Like You're not betting against the line. You're betting against the chance that this player doesn't get injured and then against the line. So you've got to keep that in mind. But for Terry McLaurin, his underdog line is at 850 yards on the season. I have him at 1,266. That is a 400-yard gap. That, to me, and that's like with me only giving Terry McLaurin a 21.5% target share. Maybe he gets more than that. I don't think he will get less than that. I would be very, very surprised if he got less than 21% target share. So I think I'm on like the safer lower side. I'm also only projecting five touchdowns. So... I don't think there's anything crazy about my projection for me to be worried about this line. So if you think that Terry's not going to get hurt, go to Underdog Fantasy Football. It's an app that you can download. Use code Rewind, R-E-W-I-N-D. Use promo code Rewind and put some money down on the 850 yards stat line. Give me the over. That's I think that's the best. I looked at all the players that they have lines for on Washington, and I think that's the best line that you can get right now. So I would go take the over for Terry McLaurin's seasonal yardage. Now let's get into Jahan Dotson. He had 21% of the targets in the games he played more than 70% of the snaps. Why am I being specific like that? Well, he started playing from the get-go more than 70% of the snaps. So he would have played more than 70% of the snaps every single game throughout the whole season if it wasn't for getting injured. Weeks 1 through 3, he played that, that much. And then weeks 13 through 18, he played that much. So obviously... You know, he started the season three games in a row 
as a rookie above 70% of the snaps and he was producing that that's going to continue that would have continued but he got hurt and that's what kind of derailed his season so when you're looking at the the overall for Jahan Dotson right he had 21% of the targets in those those healthy weeks and he had a 57% catch rate. Now we're going to start comparing to Terry. I'm going to go back and forth between them so you can see why Terry is the number one. Jahan Dodson had a 15, 57% catch rate. Terry McLaurin's was 64 in the same time when they're both playing together. Jahan Dodson had 15.1 yards per reception. Terry McLaurin, 16.7. Jahan Dodson's yards per target was 8.6, which is pretty good. That's a pretty good yards per target. Terry McLaurin's was ridiculous. 10.7, 10.7 yards per target. Dotson helped him out a lot. But even without Dotson, like in the games without Dotson, or just Terry's average over the season, it was like 9.6 yards per target. So still very, very, very good. Very scary Terry. That's what, that's what his name should be. Not just scary Terry, very scary Terry. Now, Jahan Dotson had six touchdowns in this time. Terry McLaurin had four touchdowns in this same time. Dotson has potential to just go crazy with touchdowns. He really does, but I'm not projecting that. He's clearly not as good as Terry, but he was a rookie. He's going to get better. Maybe he'll be as good as Terry, or just he'll be closer. I think he'll be closer. I still think Terry's going to be more efficient, but I'm projecting a 21.5% target rate for John Dotson, who had 21% last year. Just give him an extra half percent. He's getting better. You know, he's going into year two. He's, he'll be healthier, so maybe that will help him be more effective as well. I'm giving him pretty much the same efficiency because that efficiency was already really good, minus upgrading his catch rate a little bit from 57% to 60%. So overall, that's going to be 118 targets for Dotson. I have him and Terry at the same amount of targets, but Dotson's going to have 71 receptions, 1,073 yards, and six touchdowns. He is a good buy right now in Dynasty. Okay, so Terry McLaurin is properly valued in redraft and is the best bet for your over underline on underdog using promo code rewind. Jahan Dotson is the best value to try to purchase right now in Dynasty because I just got Jahan Dotson in a, in a team. I could not believe this. A team that I've been rebuilding. Okay? A team that I've been rebuilding where I sold like Mike Evans and AJ Dillon for Christian Watson and a pick. And I sold Josh Allen for Justin Fields and two first round picks. And it was a super flex. And I sold just now, just recently, Alvin Kamara for Jahan Dotson, straight up. Alvin Kamara, and I'm rebuilding. I sold Kamara for Dotson. Beautiful. Beautiful. I was very surprised, very pleased to get that. The fact that people are making trades like that, if you're trying to rebuild, go get Dotson right now. Okay? Because last year, when people are looking at his stats, they're not seeing some, you know, they might see it, but even then they're not like doing the math in their heads. Most people aren't. They're not seeing that if he played the full season, he would have had 12 touchdowns and almost a thousand yards. Like they're not seeing that. So as a rookie on a horrible team. So that's, you know, that's why you can get him so cheap. And I would very much recommend doing that. So, like I said, I sold Kamara for him in a rebuild. He's a very good value in redraft as well because I have him about seven to eight spots higher. I have Jahan Dotson right now about like wide receiver. It's it's like wide receiver 22-ish right now, and he's going at like near wide receiver 40. But, but 
I, he's probably going to get knocked down farther. So you're like, that's not seven, eight spots. That's like 18 spots. Yes, but I'm sure once I finish projecting all the teams, like I have some guys above him already that I that I know are going to be above him, like Devontae Adams, you know, CeeDee Lamb, play, players I haven't projected that are obviously above him. But all the guys that are like kind of in that range could get pushed above him and push him down a little bit. So I'm not being naive to my ranking, but he's still, I know he's going to be seven to eight spots higher than where he's being ranked, even when I'm done with my projections. <clears throat> then we've got Curtis Samuel. Wow, my voice is starting to go. Curtis Samuel, he is good in the rushing game. I gave him 50 carries for five yards per carry this year. That's 250 yards, two touchdowns. He gets used a lot in their, their uh, rushing game. He had a 17% target share that was unaffected by Jahan Dotson. He had the eighth most snaps out of the slot in the league. That is why it was unaffected by Jahan Dotson. Dotson does not go in the slot. Curtis is one of the highest slot used guys in the league, and he has nobody in the slot to compete with him. So I don't see his targets getting hurt much by, you know, Jahan Dotson getting better or anything like that. He is just their slot guy. He This is one of the, the rare situations in Washington where I really see no real reason to change and play with the target rates for the wide receivers. Like, you know, there's always something that's causing me to change target rates from year to year for wide receivers, at least one wide receiver on the team. I see no reason to do that. All three of these guys were there together last year. All three of these guys' target shares were the same whether or not Dotson was on the field. They were not affected by that. So all three of these guys are going to be consistent and stable. And you can look at that and say, and feel confident in that target share that I'm projecting and be like, yeah, you know, Brandon did research and saw that none of these things were affected by the variables of the other wide receivers. These are their three guys. They didn't draft any wide receivers, except for, I think, maybe one like the sixth round. But they didn't draft any wide receivers of note. They didn't try to acquire any wide receivers in free agency. Like this, they, they like their wide receivers. Their wide receivers are very good. And that that's true. So I'm projecting the same 17% target share for Curtis Samuel, the same efficiency, because he's got the same cast and he's still in the slot. So that's going to come out to, without giving like all the numbers, because I'm trying to move through this a little bit, kind of kind of dragging along. That's going to be 94 targets, 66 receptions, 675 yards in the receiving game and three touchdowns, and then two touchdowns in the rushing game with 250 yards. It's 11.1 points per game for Curtis Samuel. He's a good flex. He's a back-end wide receiver three. He's also a good value right now. Not somebody I'm too crazy excited about because he's not really going to get better. Like if Terry gets hurt or Jahan Dotson gets hurt, that doesn't really help Curtis Samuel because that's not Curtis Samuel's role. He doesn't go outside. He stays almost strictly in the slot. So one of those guys getting hurt is only going to open an opportunity for a guy like Deami Brown, who's a good dynasty stash and hold. He played with Sam Howell in college. I liked Deami Brown a lot. I had him ranked a lot higher in his rookie wide receiver class than other guys. I was very disappointed by how late he went and to his look like where he went to. But then they brought Sam Howell in the next year. So you know, if you want like a dynasty sash, if you're looking for one, I'm not like super crazy about him. I'm not like pushing him in your face and saying, hey guys, you need to take this dynasty stash, but he is a good, good shot in the dark, good guy to throw on the very, very bottom of your super, super deep bench, Diami Brown. He was at North Carolina with Sam Howell and was very good. Then we've got Brian Robinson. Now, let me remind you that last year, Washington ran the ball the fourth most times in the league, 538 times. What do I have them projected for this year? 
Let's so I can remind you guys, I have them projected for 489. So that's a big drop. That's like a 50 carry drop from last year. And also remember that Sam Howell is going to take more of those carries than the quarterbacks they had last year because Sam Howell has better legs and will be willing to run more often. So you, you've got a lot less carries to work with. And Brian Robinson last year was like barely usable as a flex play. So he's not going to be somebody that you're interested in. He's got a very minimal target share. I'm projecting 4%. I'm giving him a 75% catch rate, 6.5 yards per reception. And it really, it's nothing. I mean, he's got 100 receiving yards maybe. Maybe he'll get 100, 150 receiving yards at the max. 15 to 20 receptions at the max. So I have him at 17 receptions right now. And that's because I have him as the second targeted running back on the team. But I'm sure they're going to end up targeting somebody instead of Brian Robinson as the second guy behind Gibson for targets purposes. So that's why I'm not really excited for Brian Robinson. Like He's got almost no receiving usage. I'm giving him 62% of the carries between him and Antonio Gibson last year when Gibson was on the field and healthy. And, and Brian Robinson was on the field and healthy when they were together. Brian Robinson took 65% of the carries of the two of them. This year, I'm projecting about 62% of that because I think they're going to realize, hey, Gibson is just as good, if not better, than Brian Robinson. Um, yeah, Brian Robinson might be more predictable with what he gets every carry, and that's why he's probably still going to be the guy they use in the red zone. But Gibson is a better runner, in my opinion. <sighs> in my opinion, is what I said during my third yawn of the podcast. So there's 359 carries after we take away Sam Howell's carries, right? And Curtis Samuel's carries. There's 359 left to go between Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. I'm giving 223 of the 359 to Brian Robinson. That means that for Antonio Gibson, I'm giving him 136. So I'm not giving much carries to Gibson. And just wait. Just wait on that. Okay? Brian Robinson... Raising his abysmal 3.9 yards per carry last year to 4.2, I think Sam Howell as a rushing quarterback is going to raise the efficiency for running backs. You see that all the time in the NFL. Rushing quarterbacks help their running back efficiency immensely. That's why, you know, James Conner, when Kyler's healthy, like James Conner's way more efficient. J.K. Dobbins is able to be such a beast because he's got Lamar there. The Eagles running backs are so, so efficient because they've got the threat of Jalen Hurts running the ball. You know, that that makes a big difference. So that brings him to 10 points per game because it's 223 carries with the 4.2, just under 1,000 rushing yards for Brian Robinson, 938, which is very close to his his line at underdog, which makes me feel even more confident. Um, And then eight rushing touchdowns. Now, that puts him as a back-end RB3. He's between Zach Charbonnet and Devon A-Chain for me, who I'll probably end up having to chain change a chain's projection soon because of dalvin cook possibly going there we'll see he has a very low ceiling okay brian robinson's not going to get a lot of receiving work he's not going to absolutely take over the backfield and the team is not going to be super super good okay he has a very low ceiling i have him at 10 points per game like i said back in rb3 and that's with eight touchdowns last year he had like four i'm giving him more touchdowns than the entire running back room had rushing the ball last year for washington because i do think they're going to get a lot more rushing touchdowns but Still, even despite that, and him, you know, going over 200 carries, he's just not efficient. He's not getting receiving work. He's not worth anything. He's properly valued right now, and he's not somebody I'm looking at. Antonio Gibson, however, 
is being undervalued. And a lot you're hearing a lot of fantasy people say it, and we're going to keep saying it until the you know, consensus reflects it. Until the ranking of him, the ADP of Antonio Gibson changes, we are going to keep pounding this table. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be pounding the table or not. Especially after I saw I only had 136 carries going to Gibson. I was like, "Ooh, maybe I won't be high on Gibson." But you guys know that generally I have been high on Gibson, and it has worked out generally. He's turned in two top 12 running back seasons already. People forget about it. He's built like a beast. He's got the speed. He's got the strength. He's got the size. And he is on a team that likes to run the ball. So let's look at Antonio Gibson. The running back position last year had 20% of the targets. Antonio Gibson had 12% of them. J.D. McKissick missed half the year, and guess what? When McKissick was off the field, Gibson's target percentage rose by nothing. Got him. Got him. You were expecting a high number, weren't you? You were like, oh my gosh. Gibson had 12% of the targets, and when McKissick was there, what was it, like 20? Oh, yes, yes, yes. No. Nope. It didn't raise at all. Gibson maintained his 12% target share. Washington last year, when people were getting injured, was very good at just substituting roles instead of increasing people's roles that are healthy. They were just substituting roles. And so now McKissick's gone, so I think they're less likely to substitute a role, and they'll give a little bit of it to Gibson. So I have Gibson's target share going... That's yawn number four. Going from 12% to 12 point... Sorry, to... 13.5%. So from 12% to 13.5%, giving him a little of the role that they carved out for McKissick and then just replaced with somebody else when he got hurt. I think that they're going to purposefully build the offense and create more of a role for Gibson. He maintained all his targets, like I said last year, so now I think he's going to get a little bit more. His receiving efficiency has been nearly the same every year of his career, so we're going to keep it going at 80% catch rate and 7.3 yards per reception. With the 136 carries, I'm going to give him a boost in efficiency, 3.7, horrible, yards per carry last year. I'm giving him 4.4 this year. He is an explosive guy. He will do better. That was just a really off year for him. He's a good running back, like I said, with size, traits of speed and strength. Just please, please, Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gibson, I'm writing you a letter right now. Please do not fumble the ball because I don't want you to see the doghouse. I want to believe in you, and I want you to do really good. Please don't fumble. 74 targets, 60 receptions, 434 receiving yards, and two touchdowns for Antonio Gibson. Then in the rushing game, 600 rushing yards, five touchdowns. So overall for Antonio Gibson, I have him at 1,000 total yards. 1,000 total yards on a a team that loves to run the ball and throws a good amount to him. 1,000 total yards, seven touchdowns. That brings him to 12.1 points per game. He is a back-end running back two, a high-end running back three. He is just under Travis Etienne. He has much better upside than Brian Robinson. He has a higher floor than Brian Robinson. Well, if you believe that, you know, he will maintain a role, then he has a higher floor. So maybe maybe, maybe Robinson's safer, but Robinson is, has no upside, so there's no reason to even take Robinson. Antonio Gibson, however, he's being undervalued right now. He is ranked running back 40. Right now, He is in. he's going to end up in the 22 to 26 range for me. He's a huge value. He is the biggest value on this team in a redraft. Unfortunately, he doesn't have any lines up for his season long. Otherwise, I'd probably be buying into them as overs. And I have a trade idea for you. 
And this bears out in the calculators as well. Travis Etienne and Antonio Gibson. I have Antonio Gibson ranked less than one point per game under Etienne. Very close to Etienne for this year. They're not that different in age. Antonio Gibson profiles to take in his career a lot more usage and volume than Travis Etienne. Etienne's a much smaller guy. Okay, Etienne's maybe like two years younger than Antonio Gibson. Gibson's 24, 24 or 25, and Etienne's like 22. So they're not that that far in age. Etienne's probably going to be 23 this season, I think. Um, I should have double-checked their ages and put them on my notes, so I apologize for not doing that. But I know that they're only like two two years apart from each other, so that's not a big deal. Antonio Gibson's much bigger, stronger, almost as fast. Like, obviously, ETN's faster, but because that's like his calling card. But Antonio Gibson's pretty fast, too, especially for his size at 6'2", like 220. So when you're looking at them, their dynasty value should not be that crazy different, especially because Gibson's going to be a free agent and have the opportunity to go pick somewhere that he wants to go. And I'm sure they're going to utilize him if they're acquiring him as a free agent. So, and ETN's role is like established in Jacksonville. We just went over Jacksonville last podcast. So you guys know that his role is not really going to get very big. He's not going to be some huge like, oh, this is our our, top 10 running back for us. Like, unless he just breaks off a bunch of outlier, like 70 yard touchdown runs in one season, he's not going to be that good for fantasy. So for me, a trade idea and this looks good in the calculators, send Travis Etienne away for Antonio Gibson and a 2024 late first or a 2024 early second. Those work in the calculator, and it shows it's even for for both sides. I would almost take that pick straight up for Etienne. Now you're getting Gibson on the side, who's going to be just as good as him almost this year in redraft, and who knows for the future. Could be just as good, if not better. So Gibson, when I look at that, Look at them now. Gibson's basically 85% of what ETN is, except with more receptions, for a murky team. So you need to capitalize on it. With that said, that is the Washington Commanders, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Go check out my Twitter. Go hit the linked link tree and go check out my draft sheets. Well, you can't check them out yet because they're not posted yet. But go check out the Patreon for the Dynasty Rewind team, which I am a part of. Go check it out and just know that those draft sheets will be there very soon in the Patreon and all that stuff. Go check out what they're doing. They're talking a lot about some good values for Dynasty, some guys you need to, Dynasty you need to trade for, some guys you need to sell, the best like values right now in a, a startup for dynasty purposes, they're talking through a lot of confusing scenarios like Elijah Moore, for example, or J.K. Dobbins. They talk about a lot of that stuff on their YouTube. So there's a lot of good content there. Go check that stuff out. It's Dynasty Rewind on Twitter, on YouTube. And thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Drop a rating, drop a review. Till next time, peace. Peace.